0: want to thank all of you for making Capital Community Youth a priority tonight and uh, just looking forward to sharing the word of the Lord and how the next few weeks and few months are going to go leading into the end of the year. It's pretty crazy to believe that 2023 is almost over already and uh, we're almost to 2024 and just believing that there's going to be a revival in our youth group and in our church. How many of you believe that? Amen. And that starts with us. We can look at the world around us, and we can understand, even if we've never studied, you know, end-time prophecy or what have you, that the world is in a very fragile state. We've got wars. We've got rumors of wars. And we just know that Jesus is coming back very soon. And so you need to make sure that you make it a priority in your life to make sure that you are consecrated before the Lord, that you are living right if you have repented of your sins, you've turned away from them, that you've been baptized in the only saving name of Jesus that we just sang about and that you are filled with the Spirit of God. Everybody say amen. And we've been talking about all of those things over the last uh, few weeks or a few months that we've been together. We talked about uh, the Bible and the validity, how we know that the Bible is true through different historical lenses. We talked about the name of Jesus. Uh, We've talked about repentance. We've talked about baptism. We've talked about being filled with the Spirit. And all of these things are well and good, but it has to go beyond just knowledge or just a one-time action. It's one thing to have a moment of repentance in your life, but um, as the scripture says, we must die daily to our flesh. We must live a lifestyle of repentance. Repentance, it's not just something that we do once in in this moment of, of emotionalism in a service where we just feel the presence of God moving and then we don't ever go back to that place. Repentance is something that we've got to do every day. And baptism, being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ is vitally important. And being filled with the Spirit uh, is vitally important. And I've talked about being filled with the Spirit in the past, it's one thing to have received the Spirit, but it mean, to be filled with the Spirit means something entirely different, because when you are filled with the Spirit, it is out of that overflow of your life that God will begin to work through you. Uh, you'll be a witness to other people through the fruits of the Spirit that are produced. Uh, you will pray for people. They will be healed. The gifts of the Spirit will be activated in your life. But all of these, all of these things start with what we are going to end our series on tonight, and that is our relationship with God. In the previous lesson, Pastor Matt, he talked about the great lengths that God went to so that he could have a relationship with us. And so in this lesson, what we're going to talk about tonight is how we can have a relationship with him. We're going to talk about four specific things. We're going to talk about prayer, fasting, Bible reading, and worship. And we will begin or continue to walk with God. Now, when I say the word prayer... What words come to mind to you? Not a rhetorical question. You can just blurt them out. When I say the word prayer, what other words come to mind? Worship. Talking to God. Fervency. Amen. Consistency. Spending time in prayer. Praying. Prayer. Friendship. Relationship, communication, fatherly advice, conversation, good, I heard somebody else behind talking to you maybe, interceding, okay, well, those are all great answers and those are all parts of, let me just put my Bible down here, those are all parts Of prayer. Prayer is defined as a reverent petition to God. It is the act of making such a petition or requesting something from the Lord. But simply stated, we can overcomplicate prayer and we can think so deeply about prayer that we miss the simplicity of what prayer really is. And prayer is this prayer is just simply talking with God. Now, it doesn't feel that way always naturally, or maybe when you're trying to, uh, we've talked about this before over the, you know, last few months or years, but sometimes it's like you don't know how to start your prayer. Anybody ever been there before? But it's like once you kind of get rolling, you get some momentum, you've got some things in your head that you want to pray about, and it seems to get a little bit easier. But, But simply put, prayer is just talking with God. Now, that's weird and sometimes feels challenging to us or especially for a new believer just starting to walk with God because it's like we're talking to nobody, right? There's not a physical manifestation when we kneel down to prayer or when we come to pre-service prayer on Sunday night or come to prayer on Friday night. It's not like we go to the altar and God's standing there and it's like, I love you, you're the best, you're the man, you're awesome, you're great, right? That would be weird too <laughs> if we did that. But because there's not a physical manifestation of God, it doesn't always feel that simple. We're talking to God. We're talking to a deity. We are talking to him as a spirit. And it feels a little bit unnatural, but really it is just talking with God. We are told in 1 Thessalonians to pray without ceasing. Now, obviously, this doesn't mean that we can drop out of school and quit our jobs and just camp out at the church day and night. I'm quite sure that if you went home to your parents tonight and said, listen, I can't go to school tomorrow, and they asked you why, and you said, I need to pray without ceasing, they would probably um, think you're a little silly because that's not really what the verse means. It's impossible. We can't pray 24-7 around the clock like when we're eating, when we're sleeping. Like, there are just times that we don't pray. And so it doesn't quite literally mean that, but what it does talk about and what it means to us is that we need to maintain an attitude. Everybody say an attitude. We need to maintain an attitude of prayer and communication with God day and night. We need to be listening for God's voice so He can speak to us and so that we can speak to Him. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 in the New King James Version, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything... By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. It is biblical to come to prayer. It is biblical to be at our house in our prayer closet and bring our petitions, to bring our requests to the Lord. That is biblical. Now, there are actually a few different forms of prayer that we find in the Scripture. I'm going to run through a few of them with you tonight. The first one is called supplication. Everybody say supplication. Supplication is a cry for mercy. And then we've also got a petition, a word we've said a few times tonight, but that is to uh, something requested. It's the act of making a request. You know, God, you know, heal my family member. God, help me with this. God, I need to be smart so I don't fail my test tomorrow because I didn't study. That's a petition. Uh, uh, the other one is intercession. Everybody say intercession. I think Samantha said that at the back. I keep on hitting my ring on this. It's so annoying. Uh, The act of petitioning God or praying on behalf of another person or group. That is intercession. And then we've got thanksgiving. I think another one that we would commonly practice in most gatherings that we are a part of as Christians. That is thankfulness shown for goodness given from God. And then we've got meditation, which is one that would be practiced most often as part of our daily walk with the Lord. And meditation although maybe a bit of a different word in our culture and and can mean a couple different things. But meditation is really just the act of reflecting. It's the act of reflecting of the goodness of God in your life. And so as we can see, there are several different ways to pray. And as we grow in our relationship with God, we will learn how to pray in each of those ways. But the most important part about prayer, get this, the most important part about prayer is praying. Pray always and pray daily. And so there's a couple practical tips that I want to go over with you tonight to become effective prayers. Number one, establish a consistent pattern of prayer. That means maybe you set some rules in your personal life, whatever that looks like, that you don't go on the internet, you don't use your phone after school or in the morning, go on social media, watch anything, don't have breakfast, play video games or anything else before you pray. Number two, have and be a prayer partner. Have somebody that you can be accountable, accountable with. Somebody that you can tag in with every day and, and just let them know that, hey, I prayed today, how are you doing today? There's nothing wrong with that. It can feel a little awkward at first, especially, especially if you feel like you're struggling or not exactly where you need to be, but that's really condemnation. Like, I, don't, I don't know if God would ever be like, you only prayed for 10 minutes today. How dare you only talk to me for 10 minutes? That's not how it works. And so have, have and be a prayer partner. Number three, Involve yourself in the prayer ministry of your church. You can be part of a prayer chain, focus times of prayer, uh, pre-service prayer, prayer during the service, prayer at the altar, and much, much more. Number four, keep an updated prayer list on paper or on some app that you've got in your phone and as people ask you to pray for them or as you hear about a need or maybe a missionary passes through the church and they're asking for prayer for whatever project or whatever is going on in the country that they are missionaries to, just, just write that down. Type that out in your phone so that when you go to prayer, uh, you will remember to pray for that. How many of you, how many of you could honestly say that you know, somebody has told you about something that's going on in their life or something that they want to pray for and you're like, I will definitely pray for that? and then like a week goes by and you don't see them, and then you see them like the next Sunday, and you're like, right, I told you I would pray for that. You ever forgotten to pray for somebody you said you would pray for? Yeah? So like super unspiritual, but it just, it's just crazy what happens when you just write something down, you know? If you have a specific prayer time every day, if it's 6 a.m. or 7 a.m. or 2 a.m., whatever it is, 11 p.m., just set a reminder on your phone. Uh, pray, Pray for Gavin. You know, Pray for Gavin. Whatever it happens to be. It's really just that simple because I have found, at least my prayer life, that sometimes you you forget or sometimes you just don't even know what to pray for. But as you get rolling, as you gain momentum, it's easier to remember and go through that prayer time that you have together. Number five, pray through your youth group or your church directory each month. Pick a day of the week where you pray for one or two people in your church or in your youth group and just put that as a practice in what you're doing. Prayer is primarily communication with God. While we pray, we make our requests, but our main desire to pray should be to draw closer to God. That must be our main desire. We don't just pray to get things from God. We don't just pray because we need something from Him, although oftentimes we do, or or we're praying on behalf of somebody else that needs a touch from God, whatever part of their life that's in. But really, our desire to pray should be to have a closer relationship with God. One of the most awkward things about prayer is if you feel like you haven't prayed for a while, and then you try to start, right? You've probably done this before because, again, we're all human, and, and I'll just put myself on on uh, on blast tonight. But maybe in your personal prayer life, you haven't prayed for a while. It's been a couple weeks, and, you know, you you just find a time finally, and it's like, hey, God, um, I know it's been a couple weeks. I'm still here. You're still there. We're good, right? It's awkward. You've been there before. You almost feel that, like, guilt or that, like, inner, like, achiness where it's like, Man, I haven't prayed for a while. It's like, by the way, I really need this, but I'll be back in a couple weeks. You're the best. Love you, God. Amen. Whatever. I'm making it sound a little more silly and awkward than it really is, but that creates challenges. Our, our primary driving force every day to pray should be that we want to have a relationship with God. We can talk to Him just like we can talk to our best friend. We can talk to Him just like we can talk to our, pra- our parents or our brother or sister. It's literally just that simple, and sometimes we think that we need to pray elaborately or pray specifically or pray in these deep ways. It's not like that. And when you can loose yourself from that pressure that we sometimes have in prayer, just to understand and realize this is literally just me talking to God. This is my heavenly father. I can talk to him just like I can talk to anybody else. It becomes easy. It really does. It's not less spiritual to go to your prayer closet in the morning or in the evening or whatever you do. Or if you come to Friday night prayer and just say, God, I love you. I just want to thank you for this day and that I can walk in your goodness and in your mercy. God, I thank you for salvation. I thank you for repentance and baptism and receiving the spirit. God, I thank you for all of, all of the things that you have done for me. God, I thank you for all the blessings that you have poured out in my life. You are great and greatly to be praised and just begin to walk and talk with him. Can I tell you that some of the most impacting prayer times that I've ever had with the Lord were just when I was speaking so plainly and so genuinely as if he really was sitting there with me with me? Those were the moments where I could feel the presence of God so close because it wasn't about how I was saying it or what I was saying or how often I was praying or how often I wasn't. It was just a genuine connection with God. And we want to have that relationship with Him and He wants to have that relationship with us. Everybody say prayer. Prayer. Now, fasting. Fasting is number two. Uh, Fasting is simply just a diet plan for Christians. Just kidding. You got, got you with me still? This is how Christians lose weight and get healthy. It's fasting. Just kidding. Fasting was designed by God to draw us closer to Him and further from this world. We don't fast to shed weight, although that might be uh, you know, something else that happens along with it. But we fast to shed our, our sinfulness and our selfishness, our self-centeredness, by spending more time with God every day. According to Psalms chapter 35, verse 13, we humble our own souls with fasting. Now, fasting is not designed, listen to this, fasting is not designed to change God. It doesn't matter how long you fast, if it's a day, a week, 40 days, 42 days, 41 days, just because you want to one-up Jesus. Just kidding. It doesn't change God. Nothing about God changes when we fast. But fasting changes us. We don't twist God's arm into doing what we need Him or want Him to do by fasting. We actually draw closer to God through fasting. And so this is why fasting needs to be done in humility and secrecy. We've got the example in the New Testament where Jesus, he's talking to the scribes and the Pharisees, and he's talking about how they fast. Everybody remember these verses? I don't have them right here, but he says, you know, you, you go around, and you're acting faint, and I, I can't do that today. I am just so hungry. You know, you ever met those people? Oh, I, I'm just so, I'm so exhausted. I'm so tired. I just, I've just been praying all night, and and fasting the last few weeks, so if you wouldn't mind tying my shoes for me so I don't have to, that would just really help me with my walk with the Lord. Jesus was talking to these scribes and Pharisees, and he's like, you're just doing it so that people will know that you're doing it. Listen, you can go a day, you can fast a day and not eat food for 24 hours, and here's the crazy thing, you don't have to tell anybody through words or through actions. You don't have to tell anybody, you can do it. Nudge your neighbor say, you can do it. We must do it with humility and with secrecy. That's not what the scribes and Pharisees did. They were literally doing it so that people would notice and think they're spiritual, right? Imagine if the pastors or evangelists posted on social media every day that they were fasting. I think somebody sent me a picture once of, uh, maybe you've seen this. I think it was Travis Green, the worship artist in the hospital. Anybody ever see this picture? Yeah, it was not Travis Scott. He was not fasting. This was Travis Green. Uh, this was Travis Green. He was in the hospital, and it was something about being dehydrated or passing out from fasting. It's like, you don't have to do that. Matter of fact, you probably lose a bit of your blessing if you do. So if you, if you pass out from fasting, don't put it on social media, okay? And, and maybe next time drink a little bit more water, just letting you know. Humility and secrecy. Now, there are a couple different uh, types of fast that we see in the Bible. Number one, we have an absolute fast, which is uh, no bread or water or any other food. That's in Deuteronomy chapter 9. I wouldn't recommend that one if you're starting out. You work your way up to that. Number two is a partial fast. This is fasting-specific things we uh, typically do at the beginning of the year a season of sacrifice or a Daniel fast or something of that nature where we don't completely stop eating food, but, you know, we just say, God, for the next 21 days, all I'm going to eat is ice cream, and I'm going to do this for you. You know? I don't know what would happen to you. (laughs) Um, I don't even want to think about it anymore, actually. I just, an ice cream fast would be wild. Um, If you want to take that mantle, if you feel the spirit, Speaking to you tonight, you can go ahead and do that and uh, just tell them that if anything happens, it was Pastor Matt that recommended it, part five of the core. You can do a partial fast where you, where you give up specific things. Uh, you could do a corporate fast. Again, a season of sacrifice, we unify together as a church or as a youth group and, and dedicate. We consecrate a, a few weeks or a few days together where we're all going to fast and focus on spiritual things of the kingdom. We see that in Nehemiah chapter 9. And then there's a personal fast. This is the one that we would probably see most often. And this is just fasting on an individual basis where you personally have decided that you want to give something up or sacrifice something for the Lord, whether it's food or entertainment, and you do so. And we see that happen in Luke chapter 2. And then number 5 is a fast food fast. And uh, that's in the book of McDonald's, chapter 1, verse 4. And that's where you just don't eat fast food. That's what you do. Or maybe it's where you only eat fast food. And again, if you eat fast food for 21 days in a row and nothing else, I, I am concerned for you. And I think God is too. God will speak to you and say, stop being so stupid. That's what you'll hear from him. Now, there are several types of fasts in the Bible. Absolute, partial, corporate, individual, personal. There are one-day fasts. There are 21-day fasts. There are 40-day fasts. But all fasts must be accompanied by prayer and study of God's word or else you're really just skipping meals. Um, You ever gone through a day and just been so busy that you, you didn't eat or you just didn't feel hungry for whatever reason? You've done this before? You don't get spiritually stronger by doing that. Like, you don't just accidentally be like, wow, I just feel the presence of the Lord here. I didn't eat today. That's not how it works. Fasting must be accompanied with prayer, it must be accompanied with reading the word, spending time with God, and that's where it has its full effect. Because fasting, what does fasting do? It's denying our flesh, right? It's making our flesh. It's making our, our carnal person. It's making it weak. That's literally what it's doing. You're going to feel that physically if you fast, when you fast. But to just make our, our physical person, our, our flesh weak, but not make our spirit stronger, well... That's really not doing a whole lot. That's the whole point, is to, to take something away from our, our carnality and our flesh and to build up our spirit. If we just don't eat, but we don't pray and don't uh, read the word at the same time, we're just, we're just getting hungry. That's really all we're doing. And so if you want to read and understand a little bit more about fasting, you can look at it in Isaiah chapter 58. It talks about the benefits and the blessings that come from God when we fast and pray couple practical tips about fasting. Number one, with the approval of the leaders in your church, create a plan to do some type of fasting one day each week. I guarantee it will help you if you just say, okay, you know what? I'm going to pick pick whatever day you think works best for you. I'm going to pick Thursdays and I'm going to go the whole day and um, I'm not going to eat or I'm going to not eat. I'm going to spend time in God's Word, but I'm also going to make sure to shut off any entertainment or any social media that would distract me from spending time with the Lord. Number two, if you are just beginning to fast, begin small and build from there. Anybody ever tried to fast and you started to feel sick or get a headache like four or five, six hours in? You've been there? It is challenging and that will happen for sure. And so you just need to be careful. Don't I would say don't ignore you know those symptoms that, that your body is feeling. Uh, if you're feeling sick or faint or getting a headache, um, listen. I would just my personal advice. I would just have something to eat and try again the next day. That's typically what I do. But as you uh, begin to fast and and just say you know what, hey, I'm not going to I'm not going to eat until I get home from school today. That counts that counts. Or, hey, listen, I'm not going to eat till I get home from school. When I get home, the first thing I'm going to do is just take half an hour, spend 15 minutes reading my Bible. I'm going to spend 15 minutes in prayer with God, and then I'm going to go about eating. That's a great way to start, just with small. We say small. Any sacrifice is still sacrifice, but just start out at the base level and work your way up from there. If you've never fasted before and you came to me tonight and you said, listen, when you were talking, It's like God told me to go on a 21-day water-only fast. I would tell you, God did not tell you to do that. He didn't tell you to do that. You've got to just work your way into it. It's like running. If you don't run very often, you're not going to get up one morning and be like, you know what, today's the day that I run 10 miles. This is it. I'm just going to do it. You could try. You're probably not going to make it, or if you do, you're going to like stumble and And hurt yourself and be sick. But if you said, you know what? One day I want to run 10 miles. So today I'm going to start one mile. And next week I'm going to do two miles. And the week after that I'm going to do three miles. Build yourself up. Think about fasting in that way. It really is just that simple and basic. Number three. Fast during all the corporate fasts in your church. Number four. Seek pastoral counsel and guidance before beginning a prolonged fast. Number five. If you are medically unable to fast meals, fast different forms of entertainment, such as music, social media, streaming, video games, and so on. And number six, during your fast, spend your mealtimes in prayer and reading your Bible. And number seven, if you are taking time to fast one day, make sure you eat as much food before 11.59 the night before. Just kidding. But I will say, I will just say, I typically fast on Mondays, so I do try to eat something late Sunday night. I'll just be honest, okay? And it does help. It's, it still counts, right? It's, it only, it's a full day once the clock hits 12. You're with me? Does anybody think I'm cheating or is that fair? I have, I have uh, validation and affirmation. That's what he does too. Like, you get a whole pizza and just like, eat as much of it as you can at 11.59. Just blend the rest of it and drink it real fast. You just got to get it in you. It will help you. It will help you. I'm just kidding. Bible reading. Everybody say Bible reading. We'll be done here in about 10 minutes, and uh, Bishop will be done in about 40. So we've got lots of time. So now that we've learned about prayer and fasting, we can talk about reading the Word of God. Uh, how many of you have ever read the Bible the whole way through, from Genesis to Revelation? How many of you have, like, kind of been there, but there was just some books that you're like, this one ain't for me? A couple people. That's good. No judgment from me. God judges you. Just kidding. If you have never read your Bible through entirely, I would encourage you to do it. Try it. There's going to be some stuff in there that is so boring that no matter what you do, you'll never remember and it will never apply to your life. I'm just going to say it. There are some verses in there. There are some verses in there that just, you're never going to remember them. I think I've told uh, the story before, but I think the first time I read my Bible through from Genesis to Revelation was, I want to say, ninth grade. And it was three chapters a day. And because the Bible hasn't changed, it still is, just just so you know. And when you get to the Psalms, you read six Psalms. And I remember getting behind on my Bible reading. And, like, there was one day where I was home sick from school. Imagine that. Just kidding. I was home sick from school, and I was 21 chapters behind in my Bible reading. And, like, that's a pretty daunting task in and of itself, But I was 21 chapters behind, and it was in the book of Leviticus. And so if you've never read the book of Leviticus before, you don't understand what I'm talking about. But it was, uh, for somebody that's in in ninth grade, it was like the most meaningless 21 chapters I've ever read in my life. I don't know if I've ever preached from the book of Leviticus. God, don't strike me. I'm just saying, at, at the time in my life, okay, it just didn't mean a whole lot to me. Watch me, like, read Leviticus, and I'd be, like, crying. Oh, God, what a revelation. But it wasn't like that for me when I was in ninth grade. But I was homesick, and I had nothing else to do that was important. And so I just, I read it. And I probably speed read it. That's how you would say that, right? Speed read? Speed read. I speed read it. And that's how I got my education. I'm just kidding. Um it's good. If you've never done it before, I would just encourage you to practice it. Again, it's just three chapters a day, and then when you get to the Psalms, read six Psalms, and the time commitment to do this is honestly so small. There are some chapters uh, as you get into some of the, the middle portion of the Old Testament that are quite long, but for the most part, it will probably take you 10 or 15 minutes a day, and you don't have to do it that way. It's a good practice. We always say that, you know what, sometimes you can just read a couple verses, and there will be something that jumps out of the page at you and just begins to speak to you that you're going to want to just study more in, and say, what does this mean, and what's the context? and I want to understand this further. What is the Bible trying to say to me here? But I would encourage you, nonetheless, to try and read it cover to cover in a year. Psalm 119, verse 11, it says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I, may, that I might not sin Against thee, getting the word of God into us will by default grow our spiritual man and help us to resist the sinful, carnal nature that we have in us. Psalm chapter 119, verse 97. It says, oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Psalm 119, verse 105. It says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Job chapter 23, verse 12. He says, I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. The, the, the writer in Job, Job as he is speaking, he's saying, you know what? The words of God, I esteem them. I need them. They are more important to me than the food that I eat day to day. Here's a cool point for you. There is only one scripture. There is only one scripture in over 30,000 verses in the King James Version Bible that contains the word success. There is only one verse in the entire Bible that contains the word success. This one verse is Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. In this verse, it specifically mentions meditating on and obeying the word of God. Nothing else in life will help you be successful more than a daily devotion To the Lord, that includes reading your Bible. So a couple practical tips to help us read our Bible. Number one, follow a Bible reading program. Number two, you can use some sort of devotional material that helps uh, kind of explain the text as you're going through it. Number three. If you are going to begin, if you're just beginning to read your Bible or you feel like you've kind of fallen off track and want to get back on track, if you're just beginning to read the Bible, you can start with a program or an app that takes you through the New Testament in a year. The New Testament is a lot easier writing. It's, it's easier to understand. Again, it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These are the the Gospels of Jesus Christ. And then we've got the Acts of the Apostles and then all the letters that were written to the New Testament churches. The English is, is easier to understand and it's very relevant to what we experience in our church today. Number four, take notes and write down questions as you're reading. Number five, read in a version that you can understand and that your pastor recommends. And number six, enjoy the Bible because it is God's love letter to you. The Bible will speak to you. There are things that you will glean from the Bible that you never imagined that were in there in the first place. I just encourage you, when you read a scripture and there's something about it that jumps off the page to you, go to a commentary. Go and just study that verse and understand the meaning of it because there are powerful truths and revelations that you may never hear preached in a pulpit that you can experience for yourself just by reading the Word of God. Enjoy the Bible because it is God's love letter to you. And finally, worship. Everybody say worship. We worship the way we worship because God is worthy and our worship pleases Him. Let me ask you this question. What are the two primary reasons we praise and worship God? What are the two primary reasons that we praise and worship God? Advice giving thanks. He deserves it. Uh, We love him. We glorify him. We worship him because we're tired. We worship him because we are tired. That's what I feel like doing when I'm tired. It's falling asleep. God, I just worship you. I'm so tired right now. Your presence is so real. Take me into the third heaven, Lord. Lord. Anybody else? I will say I've had some of the most crazy experiences and dreams and visions from God when I was very tired. To gain prophetic word. Okay, the main two reasons among all these things that you said, nothing that we said is wrong except for maybe the tired part. Uh, but the two primary reasons that we praise and worship God: number one, it's it's for who He is. And for what he has done. We praise God for who he is. He is Alpha and Omega. He is beginning and the end. He is the creator of all things. He's the one who has given us life. He is the one who has granted us salvation. He manifested himself in flesh and died for our sins. We praise him for who he is, and then we praise him for what he has done for us. Here's some reasons in, in Bible verses that tell us why we worship. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 3, it says, For he is good. And his mercy endures forever. For he is good and his mercy endures forever. That's a great reason to worship the Lord for who he is and for what he's done. Psalm chapter 28, verse 6, it says, because he hears our prayers. We don't pray to a God that doesn't hear our petitions. We don't pray to a God that doesn't hear our intercessions and the cries of our spirit. He hears every word. He hears everything that you say in the place of prayer. Psalm chapter 103, it says, we praise the Lord for all of his benefits. Can I tell you that there is benefits to living for God? There is benefits in living for God. They may not seem like benefits. Sometimes they may seem like restrictions or rules and regulations. But can I tell you there is so much hurt and heartache and and sin that we don't have to be a part of in the world that we are in today because there are benefits in living for God. There are. Psalm chapter 150, verse 2. It says, according to his mighty acts and his excellent greatness. That is a great reason to praise and worship the Lord. And Isaiah chapter 12 says, we praise God because he is our salvation. He is our salvation. Now, there are different, uh, many different forms of worship. Sometimes you'll see people clapping their hands. We lift our hands. We sing unto the Lord. Uh, we, are you guys following along with what I was saying? Okay, the next one is dance unto the Lord, so just go ahead and stand up. Okay, wow, I was not expecting that. Uh, what a plot twist. Uh, praise God, I'm so tired. Lord, your presence is so real. Uh, we, we clap our hands, we lift our hands, we sing unto the Lord, uh, we dance unto the Lord, we play musical instruments. These are actually all biblical things that we see play out in the Bible as forms of worship. Our worship, give me like two more minutes and I'll be done. Uh, we won't even bring the music back tonight. We'll just close like this. Our worship does not end when we leave the church building because we are called to be worshipers in our everyday life. Our worship should continue long after we leave tonight, long after the lights are shut off and there's no musicians and there's no worship leaders and the doors are locked to the church. As a matter of fact, what we wear What we watch, what we listen to, what we read, where we go online, and all the areas of our lives should be determined by our worship. We make commitments to God. We experience the presence of God in services, and we come to the youth chapel, or we go to the main sanctuary, we feel the presence of God, but we keep that when we leave this sanctuary. It is still with us. His presence is still with us, and that is true worship. And so in closing tonight, Here's five practical tips to help you worship. Number one, sit with friends in church who worship. It's like way less intimidating if you're, you know, you're a little bit intimidated to worship, but then you sit beside Ensign and he just starts dancing. It's like, well, if he's going to dance, I can lift my hands, you know. Yeah, whatever, whatever he just said. But sit with people who worship. It's awkward to worship with people who are just doing this the whole time. You're like looking at them and you're like, well, I'm doing way more than they're doing. Sit with friends who worship. Don't sit beside people who don't worship. It's just that simple. And, you know, don't be don't be a jerk. It's like, listen, Gavin. I just want to let you know. I can't sit beside you anymore because you don't worship. No, no, no. That's not what we do. And listen, if you're somebody in this place that you don't really worship, just worship. Just do it. Right now. No, I'm just kidding. Um, just it's, again, it's just so simple. To close your eyes, forget about who's around you, and lift a hand or begin to speak to God. Sit with friends who worship. Uh, number two, if you feel embarrassed by your worship, again, close your eyes and just focus solely on God. Forget about who's beside you or around you. I still remember what it's like to be 12, 15, 16, 18 and feel intimidated to worship God. Uh, sometimes it's, like it's more intimidating if you're sitting with like your family. Anybody ever experienced that before? What's up with that? Right? It's like you're sitting with your family. You're like, you're the one. You don't want to worship. You're sitting with your friends at youth retreat and your parents aren't there and you're like running around. Like, wow, he got blessed. It's like, I'm blessed because I'm not with my parents. Just kidding. Well, I'm not kidding. It's just awkward sometimes, isn't it? Like, why is it awkward? Why? I can remember being a kid and sitting with my parents and being like, I just can't lift my hands beside you. I don't know what's wrong with you, but I just can't do it. You're laughing because you know it's true. I really think that's why the worship at youth, youth events sometimes is a little more exuberant because parents aren't there. I don't, know, I don't know if it's because, like, the parents don't worship sometimes. I don't know. I'm not throwing stones. I'm just saying, like, there's just something weird about it. And so, honestly, if, if sometimes you sit with your parents and you struggle to worship because you sit with your parents, because there's that invisible force field that encompasses you in that row or in that chair, just go sit with your friends. It'll be okay. And let's just be super clear, your parents or guardians are going to support you and be happy that you're worshiping. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Number three, other people are watching you, and they are going to see you as an example through your worship. Set the example for other people. You've, you've been to worship services where it felt a little cold or a little bit challenging because nobody else was worshiping, or, or maybe you've been to a prayer meeting before where it felt that same way where everybody's like whispering, and then all it takes is like that one loud person, right? Everybody else is, just give me one minute. I'm, I'm teaching the lesson right now. I'm just kidding. But you've been there, right, where it's like everybody's like whispering. You're in, you're in prayer, and everybody's like, God, I just love you so much, right? And then you've got that one person whether they're just loud in general, you know, there's just people that are loud in life, or they just really feel the presence of the Lord, and so while everybody else is worshiping, they're just like at the altar, and they're like, God, I love you so much, whatever it is, right? Those people exist, and all it takes is that one person to to kind of break the ice. That ice, that spiritual ice force field that encompasses you when you sit with your parents, all it takes is that one person. Now, I am not asking you, and I know I'm being a little fun and silly tonight. I'm not asking you to, to be that person. Like, you don't have to show up. Uh, this Friday night's a mission service, but, and there's no Sunday night, so there's no pre-service prayer. But, you know, a week and a half from now, when we get back for prayer on Friday night, I'm not asking you to be the one that's, like, at the altar just yelling, right? Like, just... Just all the dirty laundry you know about people and, and whatever, you're just like yelling it before the Lord and just laying it on the altar. You don't have to be that person. All I'm saying is through your worship, as simple and as basic as it may be, it may just be lifted hands. It may just be a voice that's a little bit higher than a whisper. Other people might hear you. It's okay. It sets an example for other people. And can I tell you, because you've experienced this yourself, it actually helps other people to worship and pray too. It does. It does. Somebody's got to get the ball rolling. Somebody's got to break the ice. And when we do that, other people begin to lift their voice. Other people begin to feel more comfortable. And other people follow the example. Younger people than you and older people than you. They will follow your example in worship. Number four, worship God with as much zeal in your home church as you do at a youth rally, youth convention, or a summer camp service. It should not be that your best worship happens when you're not at your home church. Again, I know the parents thing and it feels awkward, but like if the only time you ever run an aisle is when you're at October Youth Retreat or Youth Convention, that's not right. It's not. Why can't you worship like that in your home church, amening your your pastor or your bishop or Pastor Matt or me or whoever's preaching? Why can't you have that same zeal, that same love, that same passion, that same worship in that service as you did when it was some guy from Wisconsin that you're never going to see again? I don't know why Wisconsin. It's just the first thing that popped into my head. It's just a random state, you know? It's not that random. Anyway. But worship God with as much zeal, as much passion, as much whatever you've got inside of you, at at a youth event as you do in your home church. Let it be the same. Now, if you don't worship at youth events, uh, that doesn't mean that you don't worship at your home church too, right? It's like, well, I do the same thing. I cross my arms at both places. That's not what I'm saying. Number five, I'll close with this. If you don't feel like worshiping, just think of who God is and what he has done for you. That should be motivation enough to worship from now through till eternity. It may feel hard to worship some days. It may feel challenging. It may have been a hard day. There may be something going on in your life. But God is good and his mercy endures forever. And if you're having a rough day and you're struggling to worship Just forget about everything else that's going on around you. Forget about everything else in your life and just focus on God. We're talking about God who manifested himself in flesh and died for you and I. Did the thing that we couldn't do. Took the penalty of our sins upon himself and gave us the ability to spend eternity with him in heaven. If everything else in your life is totally crazy, If your home life is rough and school is rough and you're graduating this year or you're you're in your college and career age and you just don't know what to do in life and you're stressed out, amongst all of that stuff, if you can just forget it and remember, you know what? God is good and God is faithful. And regardless of everything else that's going on in my life and that's going on around me, God deserves my worship because He has given me the ability to receive salvation, to be baptized in His name, filled with the Spirit, and have a lifestyle of repentance. That is is reason enough to worship God. And everybody said amen. 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 Why don't you stand with me tonight? I'm going to close this in prayer. Our relationship with God, we can receive the Holy Ghost, we can be baptized in Jesus' name and repent of our sins, but we need to make sure that we have a daily walk with God. We need to read our Bible, we need to pray, we need to set aside time to fast, we need to fast food, we need to fast our media choices, and we just need to have a walk with the Lord every single day. Everybody say every single day. Why don't you pray with me tonight as we close? Jesus, we thank you for your word tonight and how basic and how simple it is. Lord, this... This walk with you, this relationship with you, is not complicated. And God, I don't want it to be complicated or seem like it's uh, overbearing or so challenging for anybody in this room to walk into. And so, God, I thank you for just the basic principles in your Word that encourage us in this place tonight. And Lord, I pray for myself and I pray for every young person that is in this place tonight that there will be something that was spoken about Bible reading, about praying, about fasting, or about worship that spoke to our spirit. Lord, that when we wake up tomorrow, we will remember what we talked about tonight. God, that we would have a desire in our life to live for you and to have a relationship with you. God, when we pray, I just pray like it would be we are talking to our best friend because that really is who you are. You have done so much for us and you are always there. You are as close as the mention of your name. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your spirit that is ministered in this place tonight as the word was being preached. Pray that you would bless us this evening and our time together that we've had. And God, I just pray over the next week That you would give each and every young person an opportunity to spread and share the gospel with somebody else. Open those doors and those connection points in Jesus' name. Everybody say, in Jesus' name.